Hey moms, was your dinner last night the leftover chicken nuggets from your kid's tray? Is your definition of self-care getting to close the door when you pee? If the only chance that you get for exercise are the squats that you do to pick up your kid's Legos, well then take a seat, mama. You're in the right place. I'm Corinne Crosley, psychotherapist, self-care enthusiast, and seriously imperfect mom of two kiddos. This is Mama Bites. Hello, mamas. Welcome to another episode of the Mama Bites podcast. I am coming to you right now live from the corner of my playroom where the podcast studio has been moved since the COVID-19 outbreak. And um, as many of you know, I live up here in the Northeast. And so we have been in isolation since uh, mid-March and right now I'm talking to you uh, in April and we're uh, scheduled to to go strong in isolation until um, until the beginning of May. I know when we're recording podcasts we're really not supposed to talk about dates and times and things like that so that when listeners find the uh, the podcast it always feels relevant to the moment and um, that that's a great idea but it kind of feels like I can't talk about anything else right now it feels like none of us can really talk about anything else right now than addressing at least living with this um, this outbreak and how many of our loved ones are ill or were trying to keep healthy and um, at least speaking as as a mama the presence of homeschool now um, now I'm also a therapist and a mom and an educator and have always loved and admired educators but oh my god even more um, and so yeah that's that's uh it's hard not to reference that <laughs> right now and really thinking about each and every one of you I'm thinking about you new mamas who are home with babies and and um, maybe not able to introduce grandparents and um, maybe feeling uh, feelings of isolation the way none of us have ever experienced or or generations of women have not experienced in a long time um, to the moms of teenagers who are desperately trying to figure out how to keep their kids busy and engaged but still at home um, and and connected with them and so uh, you know I'm I'm drawing strength from you but I'm also really connected with each of every one of you. Um, I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're finding the things that help at least for today or for this portion of today. I'm so glad that um, you're you're spending some time with me today. I, I appreciate that and hope that I can be helpful in your self-care. Uh, you know, a PSA to each and every one of us, if you are not uh, currently seeking therapy and that would be really helpful and beneficial to your life. 
uh, just about every provider right now is offering telehealth services. So if you are stuck at home, um, you can still connect with a therapist and um, we can really be helpful right now. I know, uh, you know, sometimes folks will say like, what's the point of talking about it? I just have to live through it. Well, it does, it does help. And especially in these times of isolation, uh, connecting with other humans, even, even via screen, it's not, it's not perfect, but um, it's really, really helpful. So that's my PSA on therapy. If you'd like to work with me, for sure, reach out to me. You can either go to corinnecrosley.com or mamabites.com, M-O-M-M-A, bites.com. Um, and that will that will reroute you to the places that you need to go. Um, but really, uh, it doesn't have to be with me. Just find someone wonderful and and find your space and talk. So on to today's episode, which is on media and body image. So uh, these are in the next few episodes, I'm going to be finishing up my postpartum series. And um, this episode started um, as a as an interview for the postpartum book. However, I really, really feel like this is really relevant to each of us. And so many of us are consuming so much more media um, really than we ever have, which is the case, you know, just by our generation and our access. But right now, with this outbreak, we are consuming so much more media than we ever, ever have. Even those of us who have been maybe trying to pull away from social media a little bit, this um, this outbreak has really um, drawn us back into social media as a lifeline. And it's it's been really wonderful in many ways, but I think... Um, it's really important to be thinking about what Dr. Sarah Coyne and Dr. Tona, Tony Lichty bring up in these um, different forms of media that they talk about, uh, that I ask them about. Their research is so compelling, and I really, um, I really encourage people to 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 go dig it up a little bit. Um, Dr. Sarah Coyne is a professor at uh, Brigham and Young University, and she is in the Department of Family Life, and her chief interests are media, gender, body image, um, aggression, uh, children, family, and adolescence, and she has countless research papers, countless. Like, if you don't go and look up any of the experts, just just look up this one just to scroll through <laughs> research papers. It's unbelievable. And I want to read every single one. Um, Tony Lichty is at the University of Illinois in the College of Applied Health Sciences. And um, she studies the connections between body image and uh, physically active leisure. She also uh, has interest in embodiment and health and has studied uh, closely the populations of pregnant women, retirement age men and women, and female athletes. And here's something really cool about the two of them. They have been best friends for almost their whole lives. They are um, childhood friends. And, um, 
you know, with that roster of interests, I actually wish they could be best friends with me too, <laughs> but I was just really happy to get this interview. Uh, true to form, this is a, a shorter Mama Bites interview. And so um, it is, it's one that you can, you can do um, maybe between homeschool periods. <laughs> um and, or, you know, maybe if you have, um, older kids, maybe this isn't helpful. This is a helpful interview. I don't think there's much swearing in it. Um, I th- actually think there's no swearing in it, uh, which is sort of unusual for <laughs> my episodes, but, you know, maybe have this on so that they can hear, um, some of these things that we, we talk about in terms of, you know, things like Photoshop and, and how quickly our body image can be affected by consuming certain types of media. Yeah, I'm so grateful to, to these two women and um, their candor and their spectacular knowledge base. And uh, this was truly one of my favorites to record. So um, I hope you enjoy. I hope you're taking care. I hope if you're struggling that you're reaching out and um, I'm with you, Mama. Take care. So thank you, Sarah and Tony, for being on the Mama Bites podcast. I'm very excited to have both of you on the podcast and uh, to get to interview a little bit um, about your work. And also, uh, you know, I just want to put out something that you guys shared with me is that you guys are old childhood friends on top of being like these amazing researchers together as well. So that's right. Next door neighbors since we were six years old. Wow. Oh, that is so cool. (laughs) And even now we live across the country, but still like, doesn't matter when we get together. It's like we've always been hanging out together. Perfect. Excellent. Well, I think our podcast will only benefit for that. That's excellent. But if you guys just want to start, you know, gossiping or whatever, just let me know. I'll just stay out of the way. Excellent. So, um, both of you, I, I mean, I am just blown away by the research that both of you have done that, uh, I actually sat down and started counting <laughs> on both of your pages. And I see that between the two of you, I think there's like nearly 90 publications in just like various areas of research. Um, it, and it seems like it covers the whole lifespan. And as a therapist, I, I kind of want to read all of it. Um, I haven't. <laughs> um, it feels like your work um, really in covering the whole lifespan it seems pretty special that you chose um, at least a few papers where you studied postpartum and the perinatal period as well. Can you each talk a little bit about your interest in studying those periods? Whoever wants to um, jump. Well, I'll jump in if that's okay. Yeah, uh, that's great. Go what ahead, really I think brought me to this was that I was doing research on body image and I was doing research with older, older women. Oh. Um, and a lot of them talked about how thinking back across their lives, uh, pregnancy and the postpartum period were really key, uh, either in terms of challenging their body image or um, it was a really difficult period for them, um, or it made them love their body and appreciate what their body could accomplish. Mm. And that got me looking into the research on body image during that period. And I was shocked that there was so little research about body image at that time frame. And I got the impression that a lot of it is because during that time frame, we tend to focus very much on the health of the baby, which mm-hmm. is great, We mean, which is obviously important, but it seemed to be ignoring the, the experience of the mother mm-hmm. um, and 
that's why I called up Sarah because she had more experience in studying this this uh, this topic. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, Sarah, I'll let you share what got you interested in it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, sure. So I've researched the impact uh, that media has on children and families for the last couple of decades, and mm-hmm. really getting into the body image research area once I had a daughter. Mm. Um, and then specifically why this age period? I remember I, I just had my third child, mm. and so kind of in that, that early postpartum phase. And I remember at the time I was really into the show America's Next Top Model. Oh. Remember that show with Tyra Banks, right? <laughs> yes. And, yeah, and so and I'd, I'd, I'd watch it, and then afterward I'd feel really bad about myself. Yeah. Right yeah. afterwards, because obviously I'm watching like these beautiful models. Uh-huh. And I thought, wasn't that interesting? You know, I wonder if, if media might have an impact on the way that postpartum women feel about their bodies. Um, and it, it was a kind of a different age group than I'd ever studied before. And, and Tony's right, there's hardly any research on it, even though it's a really vulnerable period of life oh in goodness. terms of uh, body image for yeah. women. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, and so, so wonderful to hear like how it's just coming out of, or just organically out of your own experience. And, you know, even, even when we quote unquote, right, know better, right. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it still taps mm-hmm. us on the shoulder. Like, oh God, you know, I, I'm really enjoying this show and it's really interesting and I'm pulling for this model and I kind of feel terrible <laughs> about myself after watching it and, and in such a vulnerable time too. And it's ridiculous that there's there's such a lack of research in this area. It's staggering to me. And it seems like um, now, Sarah, you you said you've already been studying these pieces about um, the effect of media, and it sounds like on different um, times of life than the postpartum and perinatal period. Um, but then, you know, a lot of the research that I saw was that you that you then studied a number of different types of media that um, mm-hmm. were affecting women, whether it's blogging or print media. Um, you know, the, the print media study was sort of especially staggering to me with um, sort of, you know, you can explain it a lot better, but what I was reading is like five minutes of exposure to sort of like celebrity, <clears throat> you know, uh, unrealistic body image standards um, was, could really make a difference to people's mental health. Um, but then even also talking about social media on um, on women in this time, can you talk about some of the similarities and differences in these, in, in what you studied across the media? Yeah, sure. So the first study that you mentioned was an experimental study. We brought women into the laboratory and we had them read a, a magazine that was similar across two different conditions except for one page. And the one page that was different in one of them, it was, kind of what we see in typical celebrity magazines, you know, so these gorgeous pregnant women mm-hmm. um, or uh, an article that says something like, you know, my body after baby, how I lost all the weight mm-hmm. and I'm sitting here in a bikini, you know, looking mm-hmm. absolutely fabulous. Mm-hmm. And then the other condition, uh, I think they were read an article about decorating with fruit, you know, so something not body <laughs> yes. related at all. Yeah. And what we found <clears throat> is that even after just five minutes of looking at that magazine, our pregnant participants uh, reported feeling worse about their bodies than those who had read kind of this, you know, decorating with fruit version, right? Mm-hmm. 
and so that was that was pretty powerful to me because I thought, well, well, heavens, you know, after five minutes, that's all it takes mm-hmm. to really kind of um, knock women down in terms of the way that they feel about their bodies looking at these images. Mm. So that was kind of the, the print study that we did. And another one that I think is relevant here is that we recently did a study about social comparisons on social media, mm-hmm. specifically in the transition to uh, new motherhood. Mm-hmm. And what we found in that study is that mothers who tended to compare themselves to other mothers on social media, they tended to feel um, worse about themselves in a host of different dimensions. Mm. And so they felt like, um, you know, more depressed, more anxious. They had lower parental efficacy, which is just, Mm. I feel like I'm a good parent at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, Worse relationship with their spouse and a number of different other negative outcomes. Wow. That's pretty powerful, huh? Wow. I think one of the things that's um, particularly interesting about social media as well, which uh, might, it, well, partly is that it it shows a lot of different dimensions, like Sarah was saying, related to being a parent, losing the weight. It's not just like one celebrity representation. Mm. But another thing that came up in some of the qualitative research we did was women saying that they they some of it was related to whether or not they felt that the representation was real Mm. so for example if it was a friend of theirs they felt that that was a real person whereas whereas if it was a um sort of cultivated or curated i guess Mm -hmm. image Mm -hmm. they were more able to say well i know that that's not real Mm. but the tricky part is and some of them recognize this that even their friends even people they know are still probably posting the most flattering photos or the most flattering images so it's still hard to say oh, I'm going to compare myself to someone I know who's a real person on social media. Sure. Yes. It, it's just become way more confusing now, it seems like. That's, um, that's so powerful. Maybe just to follow that up as well. So there's been some other research that's looked at how um, different social media platforms tends to influence body image. And this is for uh, women in general, not specific to the the pregnancy postpartum phase, but mm-hmm. uh, social media platforms that tend to be more image-based, mm-hmm. like Instagram, tends to have the greatest effect on, on women. And it's really interesting, there's some research to suggest that even, you know, attaching a disclaimer-like image or, or statement like, this is not real, this is all photoshopped, mm-hmm. women still feel really bad about their bodies after mm-hmm. seeing those types of things. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if this is a, a really tricky issue for women to really be good, critical consumers of media, mm. um, because media does have such a powerful impact on the way that we think about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow, that's so powerful. And 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 I feel like um, the image-based media has just gotten to be more popular as well. I mean, I don't know that I, I'm not asking for like real numbers on that. Just sort of like anecdotal experience just feels like that that feels like the direction that people are going in. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's data on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, and and so I guess um, the other thing that I'm wondering about is, is, is there research or, or, you know, have you guys found any sort of information on kind of the type of influencers that, that people are following, that, that are people feeling... Uh, are women feeling um, negative across the board or if they're, f- f- you know, tending to follow some more 
of the body positive movement or health at every size or any of those. And I know I'm sort of like asking off the top of my head, I apologize. Um, but I was just sort of curious about, is there any sort of research about the types of images that people are, or, or uh, social media, image-based social media that people are following that if that does have an effect for people? Yeah, yeah, sure. I, I think Tony kind of got into this a little bit when she was talking about the difference between friends uh, versus celebrities. But mm. what I found is that there's such a, a broad range out there. Mm. And so you can follow celebrities that make you feel really terrible about yourself who always post, you know, the most beautiful pictures possible. Mm-hmm. Or you can follow celebrities that, you know, are inspiring and are real and authentic and make you feel great about yourself. So. Mm. An example, um, who, somebody I follow on Instagram that I really like is Jennifer Garner. Ooh. And just her social media posts made me want to be a better person. Mm. You know, she mm-hmm. often posts pictures of her without makeup on, um, often you know, just playing with her kids, having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she's one who's really spoken out on this issue. She, you know, she was on Ellen a number of years ago. And all these you know, people in the media were saying, oh, she's got a baby bump, she's got a baby bump. and. Mm. She goes on to say, you know, I do have a baby bump. I am not pregnant, Yeah. but there's a bump there, and there's yeah. always going to be a bump there. Yeah. You know, yeah. this, here's the names of my three children. Yeah. <laughs> Let's all just kind of settle in and get over it. And, yeah. and so I feel like celebrities and influencers can have a powerful impact for good mm-hmm. when they're really honest about things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful and I think set. that one of the really key issues is how the message is presented there's been somewhat of a trend of this fit inspiration mm. or they call it fit inspiration oh, where yeah. <laughs> people will post videos of like their workouts at the gym or themselves in, you know, athletic clothes mm-hmm. and thinking that, you know, I'm going to show everybody how great I look after going to the gym and that will motivate them to be more active or more fit. Mm-hmm. But there's actually been research that shows that if it's just, if it's very appearance based, like look at how great I look after going to the gym, mm-hmm. that it actually has a negative impact on women's body image mm-hmm. and it doesn't motivate them to no, go to the gym. No. Whereas if it's much more honest than that, if it's focused on like health outcomes or feeling good and accepting your body and things like that, that it can have a positive impact. Mm. So there are a lot of complexities to like the nuance of the message and making sure that it's not just focused on on how we look and exclusively appearance. Mm. You know, one of my students was just sharing a, a story last class period related to what Tony said. So I guess her sister is a social media influencer mm. and her new thing right now is to post pictures of herself after workouts, but like very real pictures. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I do not look super attractive <laughs> at the end of the workout. I'm like super sweaty mm-hmm. and my hair is gross and mm-hmm. you know, all that. Usually I'm not wearing makeup. And so mm-hmm. that's kind of what she's chosen to do to combat some of the inspiration research that's yeah. going on. Yeah. Yes. It's... And I think some of it comes down to the idea of like what you're selling because and when Sarah was talking about Jennifer Garner, it made me think of um, Jamila Jamil. She's a, um, another sort of celebrity who's been very vocal about uh, these kinds of images in the media. And she says that if someone has is promoting this unrealistic idea of beauty and so on, and they're trying to sell something, that's a good indicator that mm-hmm. it's probably not a healthy image for you. Mm. Whereas if you can really be critical about, you know, what's the motivation behind a given image? Um, it can help you to be sort of a critical consumer as well. That's such a great point. 
I, Tony, I feel like you're bringing this up in a couple ways. Um, and can I ask you if, if there's sort of like, um, sort of top things off the top of your head that, that sort of you have, that you educate people on about how to be sort of a, a critical consumer of media? Like how, how can you tell when someone's selling something, you know, like how can we tell when this is somebody who's <clears throat> pushing an agenda versus kind of being real? That's a great question because it's really hard, right? Really I mean, it's hard. hard to know. And it, it like if we're just, especially the, the speed at which we filter through media, if you're scrolling through Instagram, you're probably not taking a lot of time to critically reflect on each image. Mm-hmm. But I mean, probably the best, the best litmus test is, does this elicit self-criticism? Like mm. when I look at this, does it make me feel bad about myself? And one of the things that a lot of people don't, or that we, we often don't stop to think is that, if an image makes us feel bad about our bodies, that does like research shows that that doesn't have a good impact. A lot of people think if I hate my body, if I feel bad about the way I look, it'll motivate me to be more active, to eat better and all that stuff. But the research shows that that's not what happens. Mm-hmm. When people, the worse we feel about our bodies, the more likely we are to have heightened depression, more likely we are to overeat, the less motivated we are to be active because we feel, we feel bad. I mean, mm-hmm. it makes some logical sense. Mm-hmm. So if we if we view certain media and it makes us feel makes us criticize our own bodies, that's media that we should avoid. Mm. There's also some really cool research linked to that. So to absolutely avoid people that you know and and celebrities and influencers that make you feel bad about yourself. But this social comparison creeps up all the time. Mm. And you know, there's some really interesting research out there. But if you're looking at a picture and you find yourself comparing yourself to someone. You stop and you say, you know, what's what's this person's story? Mm. You know, what makes her cry in the middle of the night? Mm. And what are her fears and what are her traumas? And, and you know, what are some things she really struggles with? Mm. And then what you do with that process is you humanize that individual instead mm. of objectify mm. that individual. And when you humanize people, you tend to compare yourself less to them. And so that's kind of a strategy mm. that when I talk to, to women myself and especially young women, um, who are on social media mm-hmm. to really kind of get in the habit of, of thinking about someone's wider story than just mm-hmm. the filtered image that they've tended to post on Instagram that day. Mm. I love that. I love the sort of the, the toolbox that you're both offering when sort of like to be really aware. <clears throat> and and what I really love sort of that intuitive feeling, right, that actually through through the research for this book that I've been doing, <laughs> every single guest, I, I end up hearing that like tune in to how it makes you feel. If, if it's not working for you, listen to that. That's important. Um, and that if we can't avoid it, which, which we're so inundated, we really can't. Here is this, this really, you know, helpful, um, skill set that you can use on your feet, which is like, let's really think, let's, let's stop objectifying this person the way in which the platform invites us to, um, and actually Mm -hmm. sort of consider and who knows if we're telling the right story it actually in some ways doesn't matter right, <laughs> right. as long as we're de-objectifying them that's really wonderful wow that's excellent and i think another thing along with that like sarah was saying to think about the complexity of the person is even to think about the complexity of your body as well because mm. your body doesn't exist just to be viewed as an aesthetic object it also allows you to function in the world and for for women who are pregnant or recently gave birth, it has allowed you to create a whole human person. I mean, yeah. that's a really huge thing to focus on. And I think a lot of times we get 
we shift too far toward prioritizing and focusing on appearance when there are so many other elements that, especially during this life stage, matter when it comes to your body. Mm, I love that. My clients um, often get the, uh, I feel like I'll even say like, you're going to get the eye roll now, but um, I say your body's actually an instrument. It's not meant to be an object, <laughs> but we, yeah. f- we forget that we're, tr- you know, I feel like especially as, as women in our culture, the message is otherwise repeated from, from the cradle really, I actually feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really hard to overcome and remember that we're supposed to be anything other than our appearance. <clears throat> So I appreciate the reminder <laughs> over and over and over. Um, are there other implications um, that we we haven't gotten to about uh, your research, especially in, in social media or any of the other research that you've done together? I want to make sure that I don't skip implications that you guys wanted to run down. I, I, maybe something else that came out of our research, specifically the qualitative studies, um, where we just interviewed pregnant postpartum women on their experiences with media, uh, the vast majority, like 98% of our sample, felt like the media needed to change mm. in some capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, they felt mm-hmm. like they were really selling such a lie to women at this stage and at other stages. And mm-hmm. and so there's, there's real strong support for the media industry as a whole mm-hmm. to be more authentic mm-hmm. because, you know, you're right we're selling a pretty large lie to the women mm-hmm. um, across the world right now. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that social media and the wide range of media outlets, like, like this outlet, I mean, they allow, they allow regular people to take back some of that power and change some of the messages that are going out on media mm. um, that aren't quite so filtered and commercialized. Mm-hmm. You know, something that I, I discovered a number of years ago that I really like, Sarah's, Right, it was right when we were doing the pregnancy postpartum project, and I found a website, and it's called the Fourth Trimester. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. it's this beautiful website with these uh, photographs of of women during that stage, mm-hmm. and it's it's so much more authentic than the the filtered, you know, photoshopped images mm-hmm. that we see in mm-hmm. magazines, and it shows women of all different shapes and sizes, mm-hmm. you know, focused in on their families mm-hmm. and um, it's truly beautiful. So mm. highly recommend that website. Yeah. And the book too. <clears throat> oh, I yeah. Know there was yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's another website called mypostbabybody.org. Oh. And again, you always think of the My Post Baby Body is supposed to be showing off how great you look, but uh-huh. this is just real actual women, you know, showing the, the diversity of bodies after having given birth. <sighs> And it's, it's beautiful. It's really, it gives you an idea that there's a huge range and we fall within a huge diverse range of bodies. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This is something so encouraging to hear about these pieces and to see, um, it feels like women taking back um, their power a little bit around <clears throat> what we're supposed to look like and, and who we're supposed to be in this. It's very exciting. Hopefully we get moving even more in that direction. Yep, little baby steps. <laughs> Ironically, yeah. right? Um, and going back to the question about implications, one other thing that I think just kind of struck me in all the research is the massive amount of pressure that women feel during this life stage and the amount of um, outside influence that they seem to get. Some of the participants called it 
policing, pregnancy policing, Ooh. that you constantly have people telling you because because you you have a baby bump and it's visible. People seem to think that it invites them to tell you what you should do or how you should be or whether you should breastfeed or you know all these kinds of things. And and I think there's um, something that women like it's something that women have to kind of protect themselves against mm. and just recognizing that <clears throat> it's not everybody else's decision. They don't know all the aspects of your life and um, yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's beautifully said. That's beautifully said. Thank you. It's amazing what people feel like they have permission to say, right? Once they feel like they might even share an experience with you or might not just, they decide, um, mm-hmm. what you should be doing. Um, something that I, I didn't send to you in terms of questions, but I am wondering, um, I felt like in reading the papers that I was able to to get of your research, I thought you um, you both provided some really interesting implications for providers in some cases, um, in terms of what you found and and sort of ways to support women in this period. Um, <clears throat> anything that uh, you guys would be willing to offer in terms of thinking of how providers can help women through this situation or this time, rather. Yeah, sure. So one of the things we mentioned in our in our paper is that we would encourage uh, OBGYN professionals to really discuss body image issues uh, both throughout the pregnancy and then perhaps at that six-week uh, checkup that happens after the birth. Um, and then also really encourage them to talk about media in general. Mm. So we, we just finished another research study um, on a totally different topic, but looking at how uh, prenatal attitudes about media impacts the way um, mothers parent, right, their, their oh, young wow. babies around media after they're born. And, and so I think that providers really play, can play a significant role in, in not only um, developing a healthy body image, but really just, you know, thinking about media and becoming a, a critical active consumer of media at a really important stage of life. Wow, you guys are um, and my amazing. some of my background comes from um, physical activity mm. and uh, how providers can help in that arena. Mm. The one thing I've heard from a lot of research participants is that they're often told that they that they can't do things or that they shouldn't do things. Mm. Um, like for example, they go to the gym and people tell them, "Oh, you shouldn't be lifting weights. You shouldn't be walking on the treadmill. You shouldn't be doing anything." And that's not really in line with. Um, with medical guidelines, I mean, most medical guidelines say that unless you're in at-risk pregnancy, you can do most of the active things that you could before you were pregnant. And in fact, it's very healthy for you to be active. And so mm-hmm. I think we we need, like a lot of providers need to just educate themselves on um, that women who are pregnant still exist as women. They still live their lives. They still need to be um, provided all, all sorts of um, opportunities for leisure and recreation and physical activity as well. Um, not just sort of put into a corner and <laughs> thought of as a medical problem. Yeah, made of glass. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and, and what a mixed message, right? That women are getting. Oh, you, make sure you're super careful and don't do anything overly physical. And then as soon as you have the baby, get the weight off as fast as possible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, such an amazing sanity. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's crazy making for sure. So before uh, I let both of you go, um, this has been really wonderful and selfishly, I would want to keep you on the phone for hours asking you about all of your papers. 
Um, but this is sort of uh, one of my favorite questions that I ask um, each of our guests in this series and sort of tailored for you two in particular. But if your best girlfriend was in her postpartum year, based on what you know from your research and your own personal experiences, what comfort or advice or direction would you want to offer her? I think the thing that I would most like to, to, I guess, recommend is that it's important to take care of yourself as well. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes in this life stage, there's so much emphasis on doing what's best for the baby. And we sort of forget that what's best for the mom is also good for the baby. Um, in fact, a lot of the research about body image says that if a mother has better body image and loves her body, it is actually healthier for the baby. There are a lot of health outcomes both for the mom and the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so make choices and do things that help you to celebrate and love your body um, and try not to beat yourself up too much because I think that's something that we we create a culture where pregnant and postpartum women are constantly feeling so much pressure to be perfect and a perfect that's completely unattainable. And so I think mothers, young mothers need to, or mothers of young children need to um, just be gentler with themselves a little bit. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, and my, my advice I think is linked, but um, it's to focus on what your body can do, mm. not necessarily what your body looks like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as Tony was saying, during pregnancy, your body is kicking butt. Like, <laughs> you are growing a human being. It's that a... is pretty darn impressive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yet women uh, struggle so much during that, you know, phase of life over extra weight and the stretch marks and whatever. And so, you know, in in my class, we talk a lot about viewing those physical changes as, you know, a real bad badge of honor, mm-hmm. you know, stretch marks for each mm-hmm. one of your kids. And, and that's meaningful and mm-hmm. that's significant, you know, something mm-hmm. that, that you've done here. And mm-hmm. then, you know, in the, in the postpartum period, really developing your talents and focusing on yourself as a whole individual mm-hmm. and like not on necessarily what you look like. So mm-hmm. last year, I, my daughter, who's now 11, mm-hmm. asked me to try out for community theater with her, which was horrifying, <laughs> terrifying, right? But, you know, you're 11, you're wants to do something with you, you say yes. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, we we went up there and we're on stage and we're singing and we're dancing and uh, it actually ended up being so beautifully healing mm-hmm. in terms of body image issues that I had had myself, right? Oh, I just wow. had my fifth child, which oh. is a lot of kids and a lot of changes yeah. to your body. And it was just so powerful to do something with my body and develop my talents around that. That was just really healing for me. Wow. Wow. Oh, that's so wonderful. I'm so glad she asked you and that you did that's amazing it was really scary but it was great it was it was such a fun experience yeah well I'm thinking about and if I can that Mm -hmm. just reminds me of one other thing when Mm -hmm. we were talking about providers and how you can support people because I remember the first time Sarah told me you know as a friend that she was having some concerns about body image and I think I probably laughed and said what that's not possible Mm -hmm. you look great you know Mm -hmm. my first reaction was when I look at you you look great therefore I can't, it never occurred to me that you might be having any kind of body image concerns. And I think we have to remember when we're supporting our friends or our loved ones that you can't see body image concerns from the outside. Mm -hmm. You might think someone looks great. You don't understand why they would have that concern, but it doesn't mean they're not feeling it on the inside. Mm -hmm. And so they still might need that support or that sensitivity. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's beautifully said. Yeah. It, 
<clears throat> it's so hard to know how a person authentically feels in their body. There's, there is no rhyme or reason from the outside, right? <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. That's so, so wonderful. Thank you. Well, thank you both. This is amazing. This is, um, I'm so glad I found your work. And so it's been an incredible honor. And the time that you gave me is just um, such a gift. So thank you both so much. Yeah, thanks for having us on your program. So that's it, moms. That's the last bite for today. But in case you're hungry for more, head on over to the Mama Bites website. That's M-O-M-M-A, Mama Bites website, and stream more of our podcasts. Or find them anywhere that you find your podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. And don't forget to stop by Instagram. And definitely come on by our Facebook group, the Mama Bites Lunch Table. We'd love to have you there. And until we meet again next time, remember, motherhood is a long journey. Don't forget to pack some snacks.